You know, even as we're approaching this Easter season, it's so important for us to have the understanding, if we have the heart of Christ, that we have to be zealous as well for people. That's what we are about. Reaching people who are far from God and bringing them into a place where they can have a genuine experience with Christ. And people get mad at me. People don't understand, uh, you know, when we talk about how we welcome everyone and everyone is welcomed home. And no matter where you are, Jesus wants you as you are and many people don't like that and so we think no we have to bash people and we have to you know tell people that they're wrong and we have to go out of our way to make it clear to individuals how sinful their life is and I just want to let you know can I just start this with guns blazing to let you understand that condemnation is the worst form of evangelism Ah, man, I'm, I'm getting started. I'm getting started. We're almost there. Uh, but, but I want you to understand that you can't bash people and bring them to Jesus at the same time. And many of us Christians for so long, we have not. You can tweet that. Condemnation is the worst form of evangelism. And many of us, we think that. And I, I, I really want to know uh, how many of you think that it's, that it's effective to win people to whatever it is that you have, uh, even if it is the truth, by using condemnation. And this is why so many people for years have been pushed away from the church. And we have not seen the type of transformation that we would love to see in the body of Christ and many times it's because of the way that we bash people and that we condemn them before we always are trying to skin the fish before we even catch it and that's not what God has called us to do we have to be a people who are zealous for people and where we see abuse happening we have to make sure that we are passionate about making sure that God's house is uh, in order now the amazing thing about this story in this passage John chapter 2 verse 13 through 17 is that this happened this cleansing of the temple happened at the beginning of Jesus's ministry someone say at the beginning so it happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And later down the line, we find that this happened again. Matthew, what book did I say? The book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21. It will also be on the screen for you as well. We find that right after uh, Palm Sunday, today is known as Palm Sunday, where Jesus rode into town on a donkey and people were shouting, Hosanna. Somebody shout, Hosanna. And Hosanna was a, was a twofold cry. They were crying out, uh, Lord save us. And then they were also recognizing the saving ability of Jesus and his being the savior that they were crying out for. So as he's riding into town, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, they, 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 they are crying Hosanna because they are acknowledging that Jesus is their savior. And so going on here, we find again this account that they did not learn the first time. They did not learn at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which we read in John chapter 2, where he had to go and he had to, uh, to, to bust out the whip and turn over the tables like, watch me whip, whip, no. But they, they showed back up again doing similar things. And we find it here in the text. Look, if you will, in verse 12 of Matthew 21. It says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house 
shall be called a house of what? A house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. Man, I, I love it. I love it because, uh, because the first time in the passage in John chapter 2 when he cleaned out the temple, he said, he says, you, my, God's house is not a place of business. It's not a place where we show up to get. It's not a place where we are showing up to make profit. That's not the point of God's house. Uh, and so he makes that clear. But here in this passage, he focuses and he says that God's house is a house of prayer and so if we are zealous for god's house and if we are passionate for god's house and if we have the heart of god's house the vision for god's house which he said there is that it's to be a house of prayer and if we are his temple and if we who are believers are filled with his spirit then guess what guess what we've got to be a praying people we've got to be a praying house we've got to be a house that communicates with the lord Man, and you know, there are so many people who complain about the fact that they can't hear God and the situations and stuff that they're in right now. They come and they'll need counseling and they'll need this and they'll need that. And yes, there are situations and circumstances where those things are necessary. But many people who feel that they need counseling and many people who are complaining about how they can't hear from God. Oftentimes, if you'll ask them, so how's your prayer life? They'll say, well, you know, I get up in the morning, I pastor, I got all sorts of stuff to do. And, you know, I got to rush out the door and make it to work on time, you know, and that's our focus. Uh, but then we complain about how we can't care from God. How in the world can I talk about? I don't understand my wife and I'm not, I haven't heard from my wife and she's sitting right there. Come on. If I spend all my time on social media, hello, Facebook, and I spend all of my time watching Scandal and, and watching uh, Prison Break, man, season and five just started by the way that was pretty insane you know and 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 we spend all our time doing all of that but nonetheless and i don't spend time talking to my wife then i'm talking about i don't know how you're feeling i don't know what's going on how in the world are you going to show up and tell me x y and z when i'm spending all my time elsewhere and there are many of us who are in a place of indecision and there are many of us who are in a place where we're wondering what we're supposed to do whether we're to go to or fro and god is saying i I've been here and I'm in a position where I want to communicate with you. I'm a talkative God. I'm a communicative God. God said, let there be. God speaks and he, my sheep, John chapter 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. And so if we are a part of God's house, we ought to be a praying people. Someone say a praying people. You know, I'm telling you, man, a lot of counseling sessions would be canceled and would be cut in half if some people would, before your feet hit the ground, your knees hit the ground. Come on, somebody. Where we get to the place where before we start our day, we say, you know what? We're not on this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. You reciting stuff that your mom taught you and you're a grown person right now. You got to get to the place where I don't know about y'all, but I feel like David every now and again. God, I feel like quitting. Is anybody else going to be real other than me this morning? God, the things that are coming up against me make me feel like throwing in the towel and i'm here to tell you baby that the amazing thing is that when we get down on those knees there's such power in prayer god speaks in prayer and you receive the unction and the power that you need to keep on moving forward and so instead of throwing in that towel you get the strength to just take it and wipe the sweat off and keep on going 
Amen. I came to work today. So I want to encourage you to understand uh, the power of prayer. And so we have to be a praying people. Someone say a praying house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praying house. Some of you, you wonder and you say, Pastor Andrew, you picked up and you moved here and you moved there and you did X, Y, and Z. How in the world are you so confident in making these decisions? I'm telling you the reason why I can pick up from Michigan and move my family to California and pick up from California with those palm trees and having to check the weather in winter and the sun shining all the time and all of that to come out here to this crazy snow is because I had a little talk with Jesus and Jesus told me that there there were some people, there were some Jasons, and there were some Marys that were waiting out here in Malvern that needed to come. There was a reach out here that needed to come and experience the life-changing gospel of Jesus. And so even though I'm no longer in the palm trees, and even though I'm no longer seeing mountainous landscapes, come on, every single 28 of y'all that have given your lives unto the Lord, make it worth it. And you know how? Because I heard from the Lord. And does it matter? There's sometimes when you when you make decisions that are crazy and they don't make sense, but prayer will place you into a position where your peace will trump your comfortability. Huh. Where I could be living in Iceland in the middle of the freezing weather, but at the end of the day, I have peace. And I could be in California with the 80 degrees in December and be all out of my mind because my peace is not determined by my circumstances. My peace is determined by the God that I serve and the obedience that I walk in. And that's why some of you guys have been pursuing comfortability, but you have not had any peace. Who did I come to preach to on this morning? I just want to encourage someone to understand that we need to get in God's face and communicate with him to hear from him. Somebody say a praying house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm on my way, but uh, there are some prayer principles that I want to talk about. And you know, the amazing thing, I'm so glad uh, for prayer and I'm so glad about the way that the Lord has moved that wise in and through my life. And I just want to share this with you, just three things, and then we're going to talk and we'll get out of here. The, num the first prayer principle, and you might want to write these down, is that prayer must be persistent. Somebody say persistent. You know, some of us, we feel like we've prayed once and we go and we say, well, I prayed about it and, and that's it. And, you know, and that's, the, you know, even Paul, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where in verse 9 and right before it, where Paul was faced with a challenging situation and the Apostle Paul decided it. The Bible says that he sought the Lord three times. Somebody say three times. He was facing this situation and he sought the Lord three times. He kept on praying until he got an answer. And the answer was not necessarily what he wanted to hear, but it was an answer nonetheless. And, and 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So he got an answer from the Lord, even though it wasn't the answer necessarily that he was looking for. But it came through persistence. Someone say persistence. And many of us, we give up in prayer. We pray one time and when we don't see it, then we quit. But you have to be like, and in fact, write this down and check it out later. Luke 18 verse 1 through 8, it starts by saying, man ought to always pray and not faint. In other words, man ought to persevere in prayer. Man ought to be persistent in prayer. Then it goes on and tells a story of a widow lady who was persistent until she got an answer. Come on somebody. And see, even 
even, I don't know about y'all, but I'm to the place where I need direction from the Lord. So even whether it's a yes or a no, I want to hear from him. And so you don't just pray one time and then throw in the towel. But prayer ought to be persistent. Someone say persistent. Number two, and, and uh, yes, First Thessalonians 5.17, you can write that down too, declares and says, pray without ceasing. Because many of us think that this is the only way we can pray. But you can be, you can come to the place where you're not just on your knees in prayer. But you can be to the place, man, when I'm sitting there on my job and I'm feeling stressed out, I can talk to the Lord. You got a two-way in your head. Come on, somebody. Where you can communicate directly and consistently with God. Number two, number two, number two. Prayer should be coupled with praise. Come on. Somebody say prayer and praise prayer and praise you know many of us we pray but we pray and uh, we are forgetful uh, and we pray and we don't have faith but i love what the bible says in uh, philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7 where the apostle paul while he was in a roman prison he says he says we're talking about remember we're talking about being a prayerful house a house that prays now remember so paul is right is locked up in a prison and he declares and says uh, be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication watch this prayer and supplication with thanksgiving somebody say thanksgiving make your request be made known unto God in other words these postures for prayer uh, we have to be people who don't just pray but we couple prayer and praise together what do you mean by that you've got to be an individual the first one is that we are grateful individuals so when we pray we are thanking God Jason for what he's already done we're remembering we're we're looking back to everything that he's done has he brought anybody through on this morning it's very important notice we we're singing do it again that's the posture that we ought to have when we approach the lord in prayer when we go before him in prayer we ought to go go back and thank him for everything that he's already done but not only this but because my faith is alive come on somebody not only when i'm praying am i to be an individual that prays with thanksgiving for the past but we've got to pray with praise in advance because god is going to hear and going to answer our prayers are you with me on this morning and so it's very important for us to have a posture of praise when it is that we are praying gratefulness and faith and so not only this then number three prayer is powerful despite my imperfection in fact look at someone and tell them this is the third one tell them neighbor oh neighbor prayer is powerful despite my imperfection and i love james chapter 5 verse 16 and 17 therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed and then he goes on and says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working somebody say great power you and I, when we pray, the prayer of a righteous person, some of us are, we, we, we feel like we can't pray. And the reason why we feel like we can't pray is because we feel like we are unrighteous. So don't you know what I did? Don't you know how I messed up? Don't, God's not going to want to hear me. I'm here to tell you the righteousness that he's talking about is not your righteousness that comes through perfection. Because newsflash, no one is ever going to be in a perfect position. The only righteousness that we have that amounts to 
anything is the righteousness that comes through the perfection of Jesus. So God has not called you to be a perfect individual. He's called you to put trust in the one who is perfect. And so my prayer is powerful because of the perfection that it rests in, even in the midst of my imperfection. And I know what, you know what I love that he goes on and says here in the text. It says, look, look in verse 17 of James chapter 5. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was one of the most powerful prophets in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, Elijah was a man that was, that was unbelievable, the things that God did through him. But the Bible says that even Elijah had a nature like ours. Come on. That just widens the scope and makes us realize that there is no one who is perfect. There is no one who is aside from a sinful nature. That even God using Elijah did not nullify the fact that Elijah was imperfect. So it said he had a nature like ours and he prayed fervently. Somebody say fervently. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. No, I'm not telling you to go out and live like hell while you're telling others about heaven. But what I am telling you is that this man, Elijah, who is regarded as a prophet, who God used to cause rain to stop on the earth and then cause the rain to come Back, the Bible says that he too was a man with like nature like ours and so I'm here to tell you that your prayer is powerful and that don't let your feelings of imperfection and inadequacy stop you from going before the Lord in prayer if you come in the name of Jesus and when I put my trust in him that gives me the access to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace knowing that I'm being heard by the Lord and so prayer is powerful not because of my perfection it's powerful because my my trust and my faith is rested in Christ and so I love this and I'm coming down for a landing but I wanted to encourage you today around not just any type of prayer as I shared with you Jesus was in a position uh, where his heart he declared for the house was to be a house of prayer and his heart the reason why he overturned the tables as I shared was because of the abuse of people because people were in there and they were making profit off of and taking advantage of the people and many of us when we think of prayer we usually think think about just prayer for ourselves and when it is that we do get down on our knees uh, maybe it's not you but most many of us if you ask about our prayer life we usually get there and we start talking about all the things that we're asking for God for ourselves but in this Easter season where we're talking about the fact that we want to be a house that reaches people who are far from God I want to encourage you around the subject of intercession someone say intercession can I tell you about the power of intercession? Intercession is prayer on the behalf 
of someone else. Man, I'm so glad that someone was praying for me, man. I don't know about you guys, but I had a praying mother. I still have a praying mother and I'm so thankful. I believe that the way that I am today and the man that you see preaching before you today is as a result of the prayers of my mother on my behalf. And I want you to understand, you're looking at someone that at the age of 16 years old, that I smoked marijuana, right? And I smoked this weed that was laced. Yes, can I just keep it real? And uh, as a result, I started hallucinating. It was stuff that was running on the walls. My The bottom half of my body disappeared. I kept losing consciousness and coming back, losing consciousness and coming back. My heart was palpitating. I was scared. I felt like I was about to have to go to the hospital. And I was, I, I almost went and called my parents out of their bedroom because of the devastating feeling that I was experiencing. Come on. But somebody say praying mother. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was so bad that I decided I was going to lie there. And I said, maybe I could just sleep it off, you know, because by the morning, it sh- everything should be fine. I should be back to regular. But when I woke up in the morning, I was still in that position of hallucination. I was still in the position where the bottom half of my body kept disappearing and I would be walking in places and I would literally feel like I disappeared and then I would come back. I couldn't drive in a car for more than 15 minutes before my whole body started shaking and I would have to get out of the car and plant myself at the side of the road because of the devastating nature of this laced weed that I had smoked on that day. Man, I hit that joint so hard and it messed me up. My mind was gone. I remember sitting there driving in the car and thinking to myself, I felt like I was trapped inside of my body. I had lost my mind. Can I just testify this morning? And I really felt like my life was going to go nowhere, but I had a praying mother and father. Come on. And the, and, and so so I left and I went. I ended up going uh, to school in the States, uh, leaving here when I was, was 17 years old. And when I was in the States, I went out and I started wilding out, even though I still was out of my mind. And as a result of me feeling like my life was hopeless, they were trying to put me on all sorts of medication because I wouldn't stop tripping. Come on. But then one day, out of nowhere, somebody invited me to church. Uh, oh my God, how did I? I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue that one, that I would be standing up before you preaching anything. Come on. But I'm standing before you preaching the word of God because of one invite to church. Somebody say one invite. This one guy invited me to church and I heard the gospel. And when I heard about this Jesus who died for my sins and loved me with a cross, come on. No, despite what I did and that he would offer me forgiveness, this gospel, I remember sitting on my couch and I remember looking at this thing that I was hearing the pastor preaching on Sunday. And this gospel, it captured my heart right there on the couch. It wasn't at an altar call. We had an altar call right there on my couch couch and I remember giving my life to the Lord right there and I'm here to tell you baby that my life has never been the same after that day that depression broke off to off of me all that tripping that was happening broke off of me my mind was regulated and I was delivered from the bondage that had had me bound because of the power 
power of God. And I'm here to tell you that it all happened, I believe, because while I was in Michigan acting the fool, while I was in my bedroom smoking up that laced weed, that my dad and my mom were in their room praying, God, I pray, Lord, that you be with Andrew, that you bring Andrew to come to faith in me. Come on, somebody. And so as a result, now I am where I am because of prayer. And I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, if we would get out of a place of selfishness, if we would get to a place of selflessness, that we start looking beyond ourselves. You have to understand that there's power in your intercession. Somebody say power in intercession. And so I'm telling you, I, I, there's, there's such power. Jesus had a heart for intercession. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, Jesus prayed for Peter when Peter was in a place of, place of sin and Peter was in a place where he was going to be, uh, he was going to go aside from his calling. Jesus says, I prayed for you that your faith would fail you not. Not only this, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed on the behalf of the disciples. You see Jesus praying more for people than him being in a position where he's praying for himself in John 17 verse 6 through 26 in Luke 23 verse 34 Jesus prayed for those who crucified him when they threw him up on the cross when he should have been focusing on oh woe is me I'm on a cross and I'm being crucified and I did nothing you know what he prayed he was like yo instead of me being in a position where I'm tripping about myself he says I'm gonna pray for those who put me on the cross and there are some of you in this place that you've been in a position of retaliation and your focus has been to be in a place where you feel like you get retaliation on those who have done, done harm to you and I would challenge you to be like Jesus the intercessor who while he was in a place of persecution that even though he was in pain he was calling out to God father forgive them for they know not what they do and Jesus is now known in Hebrews 7.25 as the great intercessor. He now is forever making intercession for us in heavenly places. Yes, at the cross his work was finished, but he stands as our mediator right now in heaven between God. That When the accuser of the brethren, which is Satan, is throwing accusations about us. Don't you know what he did? I know what you did last summer. I know what you did yesterday. I know what you did last night. And Jesus is standing as a mediator interceding on the behalf he wants you to win God is there and he is standing in the position where he wants you and I to walk in victory Jesus is an intercessor and so I want to close today and briefly look at this passage in Acts chapter 12 we'll read from verse 1 about the time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church he killed James the brother of John with the sword and when he saw that it pleased the Jews he proceeded to arrest Peter also and this so Herod is out here killing folk because it pleased people and then he goes on and he says, okay, since y'all like that trick, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get Peter, who you love also, who is a leader in the church, and I'm going to put him in bondage as well. And so he puts him in bondage, and look what it says here in, in, uh, in verse 4. And when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers. Some of your translations might say a quartornian of soldiers, score four squads in other words there were four sets of four someone say four sets of four 
So there were 16 soldiers that they had Peter surrounded by. And, and I, I want you to understand, are there any, is there anybody in your life, uh, when you think about where they are, when you think about the bondage that they're in, do, is there anyone in your life where you feel like they are in that sort of a bondage position? It might be substance abuse. It might be gang violence. It might be a lascivious lifestyle. It might, I don't know what it is. It might be gambling. It, it might be whatever it is. You know what that thing is. And it oftentimes, when you look at them, it seems as if they are in a place of grave bondage. This is Peter. Peter is in this place where he's in bondage. And I love it uh, because it says that when they seized him, they put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Just like they did to Jesus, they were intending to bring him out and to kill him just as they did James. And now they were going to do and, and also as they did to Jesus. Man, I'm here to tell you that we think this is a joke, man. Many of us, we think this is a joke. We think we just show up to church and church is just about, uh, you know, this is just us showing up on Sunday to put in our little time slot. We think that prayer is just something that we do to earn us brownie points with Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that the devil is out like a roaring lion. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, seeking whom he may devour. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. There is real spiritual warfare. Some of your loved ones are in places of bondage. Some of your loved ones are experiencing relational stuff and are experiencing these things that they're having. And we think oftentimes that, oh, that's just the way life goes. No, the devil has a plan to destroy the life of everyone that is on this earth. That's why John chapter 10 verse 10 declares that the thief comes to do nothing but to steal kill and destroy so there's people your loved ones the people who are in patterns of bondage the people who are in these positions this is the devil's design and the devil's intent and desire desire to jack them up and to mess up and destroy their lives so it says look here intending notice in verse 4 uh, intending after Passover to bring him out to the people and then verse 6 says so Peter was kept in prison and this is what we call a Sir Mix-a-Lot moment in scripture it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but, somebody shout, but, but earnest prayer for him was made for by, uh, to God by the church. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Peter is in this position. Uh, he's in a position of bondage. But even though he's in this position of bondage, uh, the church isn't, it doesn't say, but gossip was taking place. Come on. See, a lot of us are good at that. A lot of us are good at talking about folk when stuff is going on. Oh, did you see so-and-so, man? I can't believe that she got pregnant outside of wedlock. You know how many people he slept with? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of us are good at gossip, but we suck at prayer and we need to get to the place where we recognize that there is no power for good in gossip but all of the power happens when we intercede man i just dare somebody to just get your faith in order and i challenge you to just instead of instead of gossiping get on your knees and start praying on the behalf of those people that are in bondage in your life and watch god move in their lives i'm a living witness and so look 
Verse 6 says, Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. Look at the miraculous happening. And he he said to him wrap your cloak around you and follow me and he went out and followed him he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision when they had passed the first and second guard they came to the iron gate leading into the city and it opened for them of their own accord and they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him man can I bring this plane down for a landing to let you know watch this so the church remember the church is making intercession on the behalf of Peter while Peter is in this position of bondage and while Peter's there ah oh my god even though Peter was chained to these to these soldiers the prayer that was making remember I told you the prayer of the righteous availeth much I'm telling you it's powerful when the church begins to pray while the church is there praying and making intercession session on the behalf of Peter an angel comes and wakes Peter up from his slumber and brings him to a place where the doors of the prison cell open of their own accord come on somebody man I don't know who I'm talking to on this morning but I'm here to tell you that your prayer and your intercession is powerful and the fact is that people oftentimes can block an outstretched arm but they can't block your outstretched prayer and so while you're in a position, they're in bondage, they're asleep like I was. I was messed up. I was out of my mind. I, the farthest thing from my mind was Jesus. I was thinking about all sorts of stuff. Outside, I was just asleep. And some of our loved ones, many of our loved ones, they're in this world and they're asleep. They're walking sleep like zombies. They're just walking around. They don't know where they're going to or fro. But I'm here to tell you, my brothers and my sisters, that there's something miraculous. If you want to see the miraculous happen, in your loved one's lives you've got to persistently pray man there are stories of people of ladies who have prayed for their husbands and prayed that they would come to the Lord and they would find that even after they pass away that then their husbands would come to the Lord they prayed up to their dying beds because they trust that God would do this thing and so my encouragement to you today is that we have to be a praying house someone say a praying house that we've got to be people that are focused on going before the Lord in prayer. And not just for ourselves, but we've got to be people that go before the Lord on the behalf of our loved ones. So this Easter, my question to you is, who is it that you know that's sitting there like Peter in a position of bondage? Who is it that you know that is sitting there in a place of slumber in the middle of a prison situation? Who is it that you know that's in a position of sin and that's in a position of bondage and you wish that you could see? them come to a place of deliverance I want you to get that person in your mind right now in fact that might even be you and somebody's been praying for you and you showed up here today and you thought that it was by happenstance but you didn't know that God brought you here because of the intercession of somebody else and today God's gonna save your life 
But if it's someone today that you can get in your mind, there's that, that, that you're saying, you know, I'm going to pray that God is going to deliver them. In fact, we have some prayer cards after service. There are prayer cards where you can actually write the name of your loved ones on that prayer card. And we're going to be praying with you and believing. Who are you going to bring with you to Easter this Sunday? Who are you going to invite with you that is going to come and, and is going to be able to hear the gospel and be able to come to a place of transformation? So that's my question. I'm going to pray right now. And I want to agree with you in prayer. I want to be like this church that while Peter was in bondage, that the church was praying. I want to pray. Let's pray for those people. Get that person in your mind right now where you are. Who is that person? In fact, yes, get that person in your mind right now. Get that person in your mind right now. And in fact, I want you to just whisper their name. Come on, on the count of three, I want you to whisper their name or their names. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, whisper their names. Whisper their names. Whisper their names. Just put them in the atmosphere. Just put them in the atmosphere. Their names right now. There we are. There we are. And now I want you to lift your hands with me in intercession. We're just going to lift our hands. And I just want to pray with you in this moment and believe with you. And I want you to even start thinking about people you're going to invite to Easter on this coming Sunday. And, uh, and, and believe, I want to believe with you for that person's deliverance on today. Here we go. God, I'm just so thankful for everything that you've done. I'm thankful, Lord God, for this word and this challenge around intercession. The challenge that we have to be a praying house. And so, Lord God, even now, I pray for those who are here that are before me. Every hand that is lifted, every name that they have spoken, every person in their life that they know that needs you. Lord, you are a delivering God. And so even now we stand in agreement in prayer and we are believing Lord God for deliverance for that loved one God. Not by our might or by our power but by the power of your spirit. Move as you did with Peter's life God. Send angels Lord. Protect them against the plans of the enemy to destroy their lives Lord God. Save Lord God. Save with great salvation. So much so Lord God that at the end of it all that we will give you the glory and we will give you the honor and the praise because of what you do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Somebody shout amen and give God praise if you believe it. Come on in faith. Come on, put those hands together and believe God today.